All right. Hello and welcome to another episode of the I Can Do podcast. I'm Benjamin Lee. I'm super excited to be here. We have another fantastic guest. Thank you for listening wherever you may be in the world. Today, our guest is Corette Adeowen. And she is the founder and CEO. She's smiling at me right now. Vim Moye Foundation. <laughs> and the, the Vim Moye Foundation is a charity set up to build Africa's future workforce by increasing access to STEM education. Vim Moye supports over 10,000 students across the West African region through its partner organizations. Corede is also a trustee for East London Connect, an education-based charity that helps Black inner-city students in London aim higher and obtain a place within a Russell Group University. As a law graduate from the University of Warwick, she is passionate about giving other young people the same educational exposure she had. Corede, welcome to the show. How are you? You are welcome. Thank you so much. And thank you for your patience as well with me. Um, thank you for being on the show. I, I want to get started here. And I want you to share with me and the audience, if you can, tell us this journey about how you have created your own foundation. You're the CEO of this foundation. You're striving to change lives in Africa uh, and really in the world by helping other people to support and to uh, encourage other people. What got you on this on this journey? It's a it's a long journey, I would say. It was it started, I would say, probably ten years ago now, actually, um, the journey towards this. I, I wouldn't say that I was the most likely candidate for this role, for this job, uh, for what I do. I am the most unlikely person, I would say, to have uh, done this. Um, at the end of like sixth form, which we call like high school, I would say, um, for our American listeners, um, I was voted most likely to be the prime minister of, of the UK. That's how like non-focused I was on anything other wow. than where I am and what I wanted to do in the UK. Yeah. And so the pivot to a focus on Africa and, and, and changing lives there really stemmed from um, an, a trip I took in 2012 with my dad. Um, he literally just asked me do you want to come to nigeria with me um to to visit i was like i mean sure why not you know i've got nothing else to do and it's a free trip because he was paying so i said yes and um mm -hmm. and that literally sparked everything it was the the fact that i saw such a gulf between the hyper rich the hyper wealth that i got a chance to like experience and see and things like that to the the um, and the, the intersection between the two would be in the traffic. So the only time that those two worlds would collide would mm. be when you're in the in traffic and um, hawkers, we call them, would come to the to the window of the car and basically beg, like either ask you to buy something or ask you to give um, to to them. And everybody in the car would just ignore them. Like they would all look forward as because they're so used to it. But for me, it was a completely new site I was like these people are asking for your help and nobody is listening um and so that started I think mm -hmm. um the, the thought process I think that it, it was the seed that was sown 
in my heart in terms of seeing the, especially seeing the kids and my first question was why are they not at school because at this point at the time I went it was a school period and so I was like what can we, mm. what essentially can be done about that I wish I went straight to what can be done about that I really what I really did was run away and say this is really none of my business like why why am I feeling this way about this <laughs> and I think I'm sure many people can mm -hmm. um, relate with that feeling of like you see something that you really want to change but you honestly don't think you're the person to change it so you're hoping somebody else will do it mm -hmm. and I would say the reality mm -hmm. is it's the thing that moves your heart, the thing that breaks your heart is likely the thing that you're called to do. The thing that you can't shake off is really the thing that you yeah. were made to um, to rectify, to fix, to um, be a part of. And so I think that started my journey to becoming the person that I felt I needed to be, to be able to, to, be the, to do the job that I get to do now. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's awesome. So it was 2012. Yeah. You went to Nigeria with your father. You're in high school age and you, you just see something you've never seen before. So you said you didn't do anything like immediately. So fast forward, what's the next moment when you start thinking more about, no, I, I do need to do something. How, how many, was it years or was it months or was it another trip that kind of sparked that spark that uh you know that energy in the heart to say no i have to do something walk us to the walk us through that next step what happened next yeah absolutely so i i had that moment i came back to the uk so it was actually post graduation from university that was when that happened this this moment when i went with my dad and okay. so i came back and i had oh okay recently declared that i didn't want to be a lawyer um to the to my family and was trying to mm. figure out what i was supposed to do with my life um while also trying to go through the, the ignore <laughs> the feelings that i was having towards why is nobody helping the people that i saw you know when i was in nigeria mm -hmm. this is the first thing i i i believe that we should do is to to educate ourselves on that problem how did we get there how how did we get to this point um what is the politics like in that country what is the history behind um that country mm, those are the mm -hmm. two things i started i started doing just learning I, I i that made me comfortable enough to um start asking questions start asking my father more mm -hmm. questions because up until then we hadn't really had a, much of a conversation about nigeria and its history um and it turns out he had so much to say and so much to teach me um and I then asked more questions and he would then lead me to the right people who would be able to answer those questions. And so I built up my mm -hmm. knowledge and as well, my confidence um, through asking questions. And as you said, subsequent trips helped. So in subsequent trips, I, I purposefully went to areas that would teach me more. So in Nigeria, for example, there's somewhere called Badagri. Mm. Badagri is the slave port area where um, I learned more about mm. Um, our story and our history behind that um, and that was really key because um, over time I heard everybody I spoke to said we're just waiting for our corrupt leaders to die out and Badagri taught me that we've been waiting for hundreds of years for our corrupt leaders to die out yeah. and so that was the moment when yeah. I said okay so that's not the solution then <laughs> and, um, and little yep. by little I got rid of what other people thought was a solution and started building new solutions and um, and Bimoye was birthed 
out of the solution that I came to the conclusion that education is the one way that I saw that people could bring themselves out of poverty um, and, you know, be essentially architects of their own future. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I'm curious, what were and what remains even right now, some of the big lessons that you learned from your father? So he's teaching you about Nigeria. I believe that's where you're from, correct? Yeah. So what were some of those lessons? What what has he carried away and what ha what impacted his life that also had an impact on you as you were going along on this journey? This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Yeah, his stories would remind me of what Nigeria was like. So there were, it wasn't even always okay. like this. We always said that we need better leaders, but there was a point where it turns out when we look back, the leaders weren't nearly as um, bad or, or as incompetent as maybe we have today. And so over time, we realized that there has been yeah. a deterioration in society in terms of the kind mm. of leaders that we have um, developed. And so one of the things I learned from him, for example, was there was once a time that the Naira to the pound was one to one. So um, it was, okay. and you know how how strong the now, pound is, the right? What's the Naira? The Naira is the, is the currency. What's the Naira? Can it... Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And the pound is in, in the, the, the UK uh, currency. The money in the UK, correct? Yes. So, okay. so um, it was one to one. It was one okay. to one. Um, and compare that to today and it's where it's one to 1,100. Wow. Exactly. Wow. So you can see the decline and see those. Those are the things mm. I was learning. I was like, okay, so things were not always mm -hmm. like this. And um, understanding mm -hmm. that was painting a picture of, because when you realize something has happened before, you realize you can make it happen again. So what the ideas and the vision I had for what Nigeria could be wasn't like the most outlandish, most ridiculous thing, because it actually at one point was once like that, you know? And so what we're doing is we're trying to return yeah. to mm -hmm. what was, as opposed to build a whole new nation, you know? And that made it more possible mm -hmm. to me. That encouraged me. Um, so that's one of the things I learned from him. Yeah. Um, security is another issue we have in, in Nigeria specifically. And, and some people say other parts of um, Africa, but I caveat that because I always want people to realize that Africa today is not nearly as dangerous or as unsafe as people once thought. So, for example, um, mm -hmm. now out of 54 nations, 35 of them, um, the um, global peace index are actually higher than the US. So that tells you everything about progress when it comes wow. to safety. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's going to shock a few people. Yeah, that's exactly right. But, it is going to um, shock a lot of people. Yeah, yeah it is. <laughs> so um, Africa as a whole. Is, well, you know, is that's interesting, too. You know, that's in, and I'm interrupting. I'm sorry. That's yeah, interesting, too, because there's a lot of assumptions. There's a lot of assumptions people make. And what you're talking about is so important about, well, maybe we should do a little bit of research and not assume 
certain things are the case because we may actually be surprised that it wasn't as bad as maybe you thought it was or what other people thought it was. It was actually good for a long period of time. And and that certainly would give, I think, me and other people, if people do that, encourage them and to say, no, something we can make a difference and things can shift, you know, fairly quickly if we put the right amount of work into it. Exactly. And so there, like you said, there are assumptions that we all made, myself included, that were debunked through research Mm -hmm. and through asking questions, you know, Um, and Mm -hmm. this idea of um, corruption, that's another conversation I had to have a lot, Um, that's, it came up so often, there's so much corruption, that's what's crippling our nation, Um, but over time, when you ask more questions, as an, I, I would say I came as quite an objective person, because like I said, I wasn't part of the conversation until that the time I went right so my questions were very much from a I just want to learn perspective um and so people would say corruption is our biggest issue corruption is our biggest issue but then I would ask questions about okay but um what are the consequences if I do this and no one could answer and you start seeing that actually um what we say as corruption being the biggest issue or the human person is just happens to be more corrupt an african house happens to be more corrupt than somebody else in another part of the world really comes from the fact that the systems in place right are are not as strong as we see maybe in the west and so for example i always say in in the uk if i um if i don't um I don't know, like we have this thing called the Oyster Card. So when you go on TFL, which is our transport for London, the underground, um, and you have to tap in when you enter and you have to tap out when you leave on the other side. Um, And people by default think, oh, like people do that because they're good people. No, people do that because there's a camera that will catch me if I do not tap in at the beginning. And if I don't tap out the end, automatically I get charged like, double the amount I would have if I, I didn't tap out. And so there are consequences and systems in place that means someone doesn't have to watch me physically to do the right thing. But over time, I'm conditioned to just do the right thing. And so we expect that same behavior right. from a society that doesn't have the same systems and consequences in place. And so you start building this picture of, oh, okay, like the problems we have aren't like embedded in a particular kind of human being, like, oh, the African person happens to be far more um, socially deviant than than the rest of the world. No, we we just have, there are systems that are lacking and um, those things put in place will bring about big change really quickly. So, yeah, I have a lot of hope mm, about these things. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's that's fascinating. And I appreciate that perspective. And I think that's important for everybody to really think about just the assumptions that we make, the biases that we could have. And it, it, it has me thinking about a story in the Old Testament of the Bible, a man by the name of Nehemiah, um, when he saw his people in despair and the wall surrounding Jerusalem not rebuilt, you know, he, he came in and he observed and he learned and you know, things changed in 52 days. So it's it's pretty amazing when someone comes in with the proper mindset and, um, you know, asking the right questions and the proper attitude, how things can quickly change really, really fast. And so that sounds a lot like what you're doing. So now I'm curious, okay, how long was this learning, gathering information mode for you? Then after you did all of that, 
what happened next? Is that when the foundation was started? Uh, how old were you when you're doing all of this? If I can ask, I know sometimes people don't want to share that, but I, I'm curious. You don't have to if you don't want to, but walk us through those next steps. Yes, of course. So uh, first of all, I actually wanted to make a comment about the Nehemiah thing. I, I smiled like a huge smile when you said that because that's such a moment for me. Um, I think that was one of the stories in the Bible yeah. that propelled what I do today, I would say, of all of the characters in the Bible, the one nice. that fitted. And I said, that's such a, a moment for me. So I really appreciate that you said that because that's, it literally is my yeah. um, scripture on my Instagram <laughs> is Nehemiah. I think it's 6-3, which is I'm doing good work. I've come down. Like it, Nehemiah is my, is my yes. person. Yes. <laughs> so thank well, you. listen, I tell you what. I, yeah. No, listen, that's one of my favorite books. And I'm in the process right now. Uh, I've, I've, I've put together a journal. It's called Arise and Build. And it's a 52-day journal based off of the story of Nehemiah because you know he just got stuff done so fast so i'm happy that you love nehemiah and um you're exactly right i have good work to do so that's awesome that is fantastic i love that yes so with regards to the next steps what happened was um it took i would say yeah. a couple of years and um um so all of this research and learning also the next steps were would be talking to friends and family about the ideas that would now come so now i've done all of this learning the next step was like field research kind of like or just you know pitching as it were to people in terms of this is my solution what do you think i bring friends together um in, in different fields and different spaces and and pitch those ideas um i would also do that um mm. in nigeria i'd go to nigeria and I'd speak to different people in, in the education space. So I decided education was definitely the, the avenue that I wanted to use to bring about change. But um, I wanted to know what was already being done. So I would speak to people in the education space and say, hey, this is the idea I have. What do you think? And every single time it would come back as, oh, we know someone doing something similar. Talk to this person. And so I was like, if everybody's doing the thing that I've thought of, um, then what what's happening? And I realized that everybody's working in silos. Everybody's doing things by themselves. And so they're drops in the ocean, you know? Uh, and for Nigeria, mm. there are over 200 million people. So like if all everyone's working like oh. separately, <laughs> I know, if everybody's working separately, then it, you cannot feel the impact um, right, as opposed to if we came together. And so Vimoye was birthed out of the idea that we need to come together as a collective. Um, that means the diaspora, and that also means people on um, on ground. So what Vimoye really does is that we facilitate that kind of um, collaboration between the diaspora and organizations that already exist that are doing great work. How do we increase their mm. impact? You know, um, that is mm -hmm. the focus of Vimoye. We, we, we work with those who already exist, who are doing amazing work and say, okay, this is what you're doing. How do we 10x that? Literally, how do we 10x that? And we use mm. the diaspora to increase mm -hmm. the skills that they have access to. Many a times it's a lack of resource. That means mm -hmm. that they can't do as much as they, they need to do. And so we're encouraging the diaspora. Yeah. We're encouraging those who have any kind of like interest in Africa to say, what skill do you have? And how can we use that to build these organizations so that mm -hmm. they're able to do their work um, at, at a greater impact? 
you know? And so, yeah, that's how we got mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. No, that's awesome. That was actually going to be one of my questions too. What's the population or the size of um, Nigeria? Um, you say the diaspora. Tell the audience what what are you referring to? Yes, yeah, so the diaspora would be um, people of African descent, and so this would be either a displaced people or people who have voluntarily mm -hmm. moved um, from the continent to other parts of the world. So that would include Caribbeans, mm -hmm. Afro-Latinas, um, mm. the, those in the America as well. So African-Americans as well would also mm -hmm. be included in that. And then those of us whose parents just kind of like moved, um, in, I would say like the seventies or so sixties and seventies, they migrated for better opportunities. So all of those people make up the diaspora and that's, mm -hmm. um, about 350 million um, people, uh, which wow. would be the third biggest yeah. country uh, in the world. So imagine yeah. if we're able to make that work. If we can all come together to build Africa, yeah. just see what's possible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, and I love the illustration too of, you know, just a drop in the, in the water or drop in the ocean, you know, when people are trying to do things just kind of in a, in a silo versus collectively, there's something Absolutely. to be said about that. So I'm curious now, all right, what, did you ever have moments where you're, where, where you're just kind of talking to yourself or looking at all this, you're making trips, it sounds like back and forth to Nigeria, you're talking, so you're on the ground, you're doing your own research, you talk to your dad. Um, did you have moments where you just kind of felt like, you know, what am I doing? Uh, you know, I could be doing something different uh, I think you mentioned, right, when you were in uh, school, you know, you were voted most likely to be prime minister. You know, maybe I should be going a different path. Talk us, talk to us about how did you maintain this I can do mindset and focus on, no, this is exactly what I have to do. What, how, how'd you overcome those obstacles if there were any? Yeah, um, I think that for... I would say a long time. I can't even think of the years and I don't know when it stopped, but I would wake up daily and be like, have I ruined my life? Have I ruined my life? Because it was, it, it was mm -hmm. so far away from the idea I had for myself and there was nothing materializing. Um, these were all ideas at this point. Nothing had come together at this point, but I couldn't get this thing like off of my mind. Um, and so moving into this space when I could have been essentially, I was on a, like the path to being a corporate lawyer, working in the city, doing well, uh, for myself, that was the life I had, um, like created in my head for myself. Uh, and that this was so far from it. And, um, and so I, I would have to battle those, those fears and those thoughts. Um, and, before I was battling them by myself, but honestly, over time, it came with the word. Like it had to be um, God's, because at the end of the day, I believe that this came from God. And if I was convinced that this idea, this um, drive, this desire came from God, he would have to bring it about. And so letting that fear go and saying that, listen, Lord, I, I really can't do this by myself. I know that you chose me because of that as well, because mm -hmm. he uses the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. Mm -hmm. And I promise you, that's what he did here. Right? <laughs> he said, I'm going to choose yeah. this unlikely human yeah. being. And, I, and I, honestly, he has to get me I, I am so unqualified. It's, a, it's laughable. And um, he, yeah. and he like, I don't know if um, you've heard this, but like, I've heard it said that he doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the call. 
Um, and that's exactly what mm-hmm. I think he did with me. And so it meant that I had yeah. to lean on him on a level that maybe other people haven't had to. When we lean into what we're called to do, yeah. we have to lean on Christ to make it happen. It, 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 it feels yeah. impossible by ourselves. And so my walk with um, God mm-hmm. grew as a result of feeling so um, unqualified and not the right person for this for this job. And so I, I'm really grateful because I don't think yeah. I'd have the relationship I have with God now if it wasn't for the fact that I, I went on this mm. journey. So regardless of anything, I have that as, <laughs> as, mm. as something that I can hold on to. Yeah. But um, yeah, it, it, my faith grew and through my faith, I was able to, um, you know, grow in confidence because I realized that, oh, wait, this is, I'm not, this isn't me doing this. I'm not doing this for myself. I'm convinced that I was called mm-hmm. to do this. And because of that, God has mm-hmm. to you know, um, bring this about. He has to make it happen because yeah. it wasn't my idea. Like, there's no way I could have thought yeah. of this by myself. Yeah. <laughs> so um, <laughs> we have this name for God in Yoruba. Um, in Yoruba. So we have, um, it's called Oromonishefayati, which is the God who um, calls, equips. Um, and so that's the, the version of God that nice. I had to get used to had to had to be introduced to that if he called me he will quit yeah. me and everything that i need to make it happen he will yeah so yeah. yeah i love your faith thank you for sharing that and there's something to be said there about faith over fear because fear fear is one of those things that will cause us to kind of stay like in the what if mindset or the what if mode but uh, you're exactly right. And um, I really appreciate you sharing that. There's something to be said about that, where we try to figure everything out on our own and and we want to use our minds. And certainly our minds can be used that way. We can create a lot of different things, but um, but there's something to be said about trusting in the Lord and seeing what he's going to do. And it's always interesting how certain things line up the way that they do, you know, way bigger than what we could ever imagine. So thank you so much for sharing that. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So let me ask you then, um, this, I'm curious now too, about your faith. Is this something from your parents or is this some, a a journey you've been on as well? Yeah. It started um, through like family. So my parents are uh, very much uh, like, grew up in a very Christian household um, and the mm-hmm. way I, I very much obviously we all come to our faith ourselves absolutely I'm fortunate enough to have grown up in a Christian mm-hmm. household but I had to make that decision myself yeah. um, my my parents mm-hmm. showed the importance of the word and faith through how they they um, you know how mm-hmm. we grew up so the word of god was the final mm-hmm. say and final authority in our lives in in this household so as yeah. as a child i had the right to mm-hmm. question my parents if i felt it didn't line up with the word that's really exciting for a kid like mm-hmm. your parents give you that level of <laughs> power <laughs> makes me kind of want to okay what's this thing called faith if that is the one reason i can question you yeah. then i'm gonna lean into this so yeah. it was a great way to engage us as kids <laughs> into like the word yeah um, it's uncomfortable for parents so if it, it means that you have you give your child the right to question you but it was the price they were willing mm. to pay 
for us to be able to come to faith, mm-hmm. like the full understanding of faith for ourselves. Um, and we had deep conversations mm-hmm. about faith, deep conversations about, um, mm-hmm. you know, what was what we thought was right or the right decision just based on the word, because that opened up so much. Mm-hmm. And so I would say that's the foundation yeah. that um, was built through my parents. And I will forever be grateful for that. I, I would say my parents have done so much for me and so much for my, um, my siblings and I. But I would say that the biggest thing was faith. The biggest thing they could have given us, the yeah. inheritance of faith. I forever, mm-hmm. forever will be grateful because I don't know how, I don't know how I would have done life. I don't know how other people do life without yeah. Christ. I, <laughs> yeah. I honestly have no idea. So yeah. that, that's my mm-hmm. starting point. Um, but I would say at 18, awesome. I'd say it was when I officially would say for mm-hmm. myself was when I was like, oh, okay, this thing with mm-hmm. God, I'm, I'm all in. Um, up until then, I would say I was mm. in, but I was questioning. I, I was questioning being that I wasn't mm-hmm. sure. Um, I wasn't like sure about my own salvation. I was always questioning, like, have I done enough to be saved? Have I, you know, up until 18, where I mm. got that revelation um, through an event that I mm. went to as a kid um, and it changed my life. That was the moment, that was the last time I went out for an altar call. I'd say every time an altar call <laughs> Every time an auto call happened before <laughs> that, I went out for every single one. I said, just in case, let me just let me just go again. But when I just before my 18th yeah. birthday was the last time I ever went out mm. for an auto call because that day I was sure mm. that I, I was safe. And I'm forever yeah. that day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Um so when did the foundation when did the foundation officially begin? 2020 so in 2020 january 2020 pre-covid i had no idea what was to come um 20 january 2020 we launched and i um we did this like a launch event and it was super exciting by mid-feb there was word about covid and this idea of like we're gonna have a lockdown Mm -hmm. and by march we weren't for a full-blown lockdown and major problem because mm. the initial understanding I had of Vimwe was a very on-ground thing. I was going to be in going in mm-hmm. person to like uh, help and to like um, just bring about change through that. Um, and now COVID was here. And so we had to rethink the whole thing. And so it went remote. And actually what we see as Vimwe today wasn't what, was what I started as it was because of the whole Mm -hmm. pandemic situation that meant the change happened Mm -hmm. um and Mm -hmm. like for everything the pandemic was and I know it had so much um it caused so much pain and so much uncertainty um but I would say the way it wouldn't look the way it is today if I had gone with my original Mm -hmm. plan because it didn't include the diaspora mm-hmm. it didn't include like remote help that we're seeing now mm-hmm. where individuals are helping organizations remotely using their skills none of that would have happened if um mm. if, if the whole pandemic shutdown lockdown thing ha- um, hadn't occurred um and so yeah I, I i think that in in life there are so many moments that we don't plan for that feel yeah. awful because the pandemic was awful for, for you cut all off of us there a little so bit hopefully there you um, are okay good yeah can you hear me 
Yeah, you're still with you. You cut out there a little bit. No, that's oh, all good. Okay. So you said that it's it started in 2020, and I think that's interesting too. You were talking about how the pandemic really shifted what it actually looks like today, and um, I, I always find that interesting because whether it's a nonprofit group or some kind of company, you know, being willing to go with the flow into, you know, wherever that river may lead is always interesting thing, how we can have one thing in our minds, but it's actually gotten the foundation to maybe another level than what you had anticipated when you started in 2020. So tell us then what's, what's the foundation doing? Um, It's 2023. Um, Are you still going back to Nigeria? What's that look like for you? Are you traveling a lot back and forth? Are you primarily uh, working out of uh, London? Yes. So mostly working out of London, but I touch base. I want to touch base. I try to touch base um, annually, at least just because um, it's important for us to, or for me to remind myself of the why we're doing what we're doing, who we're helping mm-hmm. and um, the, the larger aim, the larger vision. And that can be lost through the day-to-day rigors of like just yep. doing what you have to do, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I try to remind myself of that, mainly because the the current version that we have of Vimoye came out of a frustration of like, how do I make sure we're making the most amount of impact? And so I just, literally packed a, a suitcase and went and spent a couple of months in Nigeria and Ghana and was like, talk to me. Somebody tell me in, in terms yeah. of education space, talk to me about all of the problems. I want to make sure that the solution that we're providing absolutely hits hit the nail on the head. Um, mm. And so I think that that's so necessary to do as regularly as possible to make sure we're still hitting the nail on the head every time. So right now yeah. our focus looks like two things, which is physical resources, we have a physical resource provision where we work with um, an organization actually based in the States that um, I heard you guys have lots of uh, computers and laptops that you change annually. Annually. That's often. Right? Yeah. <laughs> the school system is incredible. Wow. So um, this yeah, charity yeah. Um, said that she just kind of, they take all the stuff and they ship it to other parts of the world. And so we work with them to do wow. that to like um uh to nigeria to other parts of africa where literally the things that you guys don't want anymore which are perfectly fine um we ship them to (laughs) countries so it doesn't go to landfill because she said that's the other option my goodness (laughs) yeah so um yeah the organization is called bridge in africa and um it's just incredible work they're based in um new york and Mm. literally um, they just help us send those things. And we just like, in terms of funding it, we just make sure it's sent. Um, we make sure that, you know, we can cover what we're trying to do is cover the costs of sending it, the crate okay. itself, but the resources themselves are completely free. She's just incredible. So the quality of the stuff is literally a lot of it is like a year old tops and some of it hasn't been used at all. Wow. Insane. That kind of it is. <laughs> yeah, that is, that is insane. Well, that's awesome. Um, Well, you're doing such great work, uh, Karede, and I appreciate you very much. When you're when you're not doing working with the foundation, what else keeps you busy? Is this, you know, 60 hours a week, 70 hours a week? What else are you doing 
what keeps you busy uh, when you're not um, working with the um, foundation? Yeah, I do a few things. Um, but yeah, the foundation is definitely my my heart. The thing that I want to do, I veer towards that every time I have any moments. But um, I also work. I have a business. I have um, a job. There's other things that I do as well, or most of which is remote. So I can definitely, um, which is really, really helpful. Um, but um Essentially, I'm still doing 10,000 other things uh, yeah. with this, um, but it's it's my heart towards, as I said, the work that um, is happening on the continent that draws me there like every single time. So, yeah, um, yeah. still doing other things, but that is my focus. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I love to read books. Uh, I'm curious, um, what book recommendations do you have for me and for the audience Uh, or any books that have had a big impact on you? Oh my goodness. (laughs) Books were actually such a key way of encouraging myself through the process of, of building, um, in terms of like learning what was possible. Um, one book that absolutely changed my life was, um, Influencer. Um, it's Mm. by, um, Kerry Patterson is this idea that um, change in any society is behavioral. It's easier to change behavioral change than it is to try and change mindset. Mm. Um, Putting things in place that, as I said, when I said like the idea of doing what's right as human beings actually is behavioral. There are things in place, consequences in place, triggers in place that make us do what's right. And so that book is a huge factor in terms of, making me start thinking like that um Mm -hmm. love that book for anybody who wants to make any kind of change including in your home they give examples Mm. of people who changed um their relationship with their teenager how their teenager thinks and 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 um, functions and talks and all that kind of stuff can be done through this this concept as well behavioral change as opposed Mm -hmm. to trying to change someone's mind takes way Mm -hmm. longer so Mm -hmm. um love that book for any um people who want to make any kind of change in the world uh another book that i really love would be atomic habits i'm sure everyone knows this one by james clear (laughs) (laughs) i love that book i know it's it's not overrated because it's exactly the rating it's a good book yeah that's exactly right yeah i love um he's got a he's got a great newsletter too so every week he sends out you know three quick thoughts and um i'll share that on facebook or uh, something like that, but uh, those are really nice nuggets. So, influenza, atomic habits. And what else? What else do I have for you? Essentialism. Oh my goodness, yes. I love this book. Yes, who was it by? Uh, Greg McEwen. Um, yes, essentialism. Oh my gosh, it changed my life from a perspective of I'm doing ten thousand things. I feel like I'm missing out. I come from a generation of like FOMO, so the fear of missing out <laughs> is, is huge, right? Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> exactly like, right. Freeing myself from that, yeah. um, it was it's key. It was key to be being able to focus and make the um, the change that I've been able to make within me. Initially, it felt mm-hmm. like I had to do everything. I had to see all my friends. I had to spend time with this. I had. Now it's like, what's really important to me? Mm-hmm. Essentialism really helped me narrow those things down. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. So I'm curious, what's your relationship then with Social media. Uh, I'm on social media, so I have a love hate relationship. Um, some people have called me the Facebook hypocrite because I have <laughs> deleted my account, then I've gotten back on. 
uh, Cal Newport, his book, Deep Work, I read that back in 2016. Have you read that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So back in 2016, that's when I first started playing around with that. And I got back on for a uh, fitness group. And it was just, I was just in the fitness group. I didn't have any friends. And um, so it was just that one particular focus, you know, being a part of that group. But, uh, but I am on social media, Instagram and YouTube and um, Facebook. What's your relationship with social media? Because uh, you're doing a lot, you're traveling a lot, you're working, you have, um, you know, uh, the Moye Foundation you're the CEO of it. Walk us through that. Do you, do you have certain boundaries with social media uh, times of the day? What's that look like for you? Yeah. My, my relationship with social media had to like change over time. Social media has evolved in my life. Um, I remember like being like social media is like just the enemy, like all progress, <laughs> all, all, um, like mental health as well. Like everything that yeah, like, yeah. like you want that's good. I feel like social media was like the, like the anti of it. Um, but over time, I remember like just saying that to myself one time and I really felt prompted. Um, I really, yeah, I really felt prompted that like this thing that I keep hating is actually when used properly is a tool a tool mm-hmm. for the progress of the work that I keep saying I'm trying to do, um, mm-hmm. a, t- a progress or a, um, to push the uh, the kingdom message, like, you know, telling people about Christ. So many people are there speaking hate and speaking negativity. Why am I not using the same platform to speak mm-hmm. love, kindness, mm-hmm. and, and the progress that I'm trying to bring about? So mm-hmm. I've had to really change my um, perception of it from that perspective. <clears throat> uh, so that's the first thing that I would say in terms of social media. The second thing I would say is like, it's still a time drain. It's still, <laughs> it's mm-hmm. still a time drain, despite the fact that I've like changed how I see it. Uh, and so I've had to put like parameters on that, like timer. I'm going to be honest. The whole willpower thing is not, is something a long time ago that I decided doesn't exist. This concept of willpower, we have um, a, a finite amount a day and I'm not interested in using that to stop myself from going on social media. So mm-hmm. instead I just put a timer that locks me out. <laughs> yeah, that's and awesome. After, um, I, I've put 30 minutes um, on, okay. on Instagram and then another 30 on LinkedIn. Those two mm-hmm. The two that I tend to be on. The two biggest. So, yeah. Um, yeah, that's I would say the case. Sometimes, and let me be honest, that like for for full transparency, there are times <laughs> I've had to increase that because I've had to like mm-hmm. post for longer or something like that. But yeah. on a good week, it's thirty minutes. Yeah, yeah, that's good. So, is that thirty minutes a day or thirty minutes a week? A day. Um, I'm okay. Not, All right. Know. No, that's legit. No, that's legit. That has to be included about replying things that I've posted. <laughs> so that I would have done all of my social media posts, for example, for the week in one go. Yeah. I do that on um, not via my phone. I do that on um, like one of those online spaces that allows you mm-hmm. to um, basically plan your um, yeah. social media activity. So I don't okay. count that. If I counted, that would be way out. Of gotcha. <laughs> I got gotcha. you. But in terms of actually just being on there scrolling or replying messages. 30 minutes a day time to do that things like that so um i spent a good amount of time putting together this notion it is time consuming initially the uh, the the setup is is time consuming but it just has yeah, paid itself paid dividends like literally it's incredible so yeah i highly highly recommend notion and, and notion um, okay 
putting that together based on yourself. Um, yeah. Another thing I use, this is a tool I don't use as much now, um, but it has it was yeah really pivotal in, in getting me to focus. Is this thing called Focusmate? I don't know if you've mm. heard of it before. I have not. Yeah, so Focusmate is this a space that you literally meet random random people across the world right mm. at a particular time so you set times onto a calendar and it matches yeah. you with somebody else anywhere in the world that is also uh, yes. working at the same time so you say to them i'm working on this now in the next either 25 minutes 50 minutes or 75 minutes and yeah. at the end of that session you come back and say whether you achieved it or not it is surprisingly yeah. <laughs> it is crazy how like a random person on the internet yeah. keeps you accountable just because they're there now i think i have heard of that now can you see the person when you're doing the work yeah you can is, uh, is that distracting though or no no so they're there but like if you're working your laptop you can you change the tab anyway so you don't end up seeing them let's say but if you're working gotcha. papers when you really see them um yeah. and then but it's so good to see the timer because you know only for that period of time you have to focus. So yeah. when I'm really unfixed, when I really am struggling with focus, mm -hmm. I jump on that. Um, mm. And that was really pivotal in getting the mindset of focus um, initially. And so I don't yeah. jump on it as much now because there are so many um, things I just have to do because of time, uh, time limit mm -hmm. that I just get them done. But there was a time mm -hmm. when I was like manually engineering things to happen that meant that if I don't do them, they don't get done and um, there's no progress. But now, like, things are happening such that the feedback requires me to to do them. So mm -hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. things are, are happening. But for anybody out there who um, is just starting out on anything and needs to push themselves, focus me. Mm. Great for that. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for sharing that. You mentioned goals. Um where did goal setting come from? Did that come from your parents as well? And do you have a set amount of goals that you strive to hit each year? Like in the full focus planner here, you know, he recommends like seven to 10 goals and then he'll break them down quarterly. Do you have a set amount of goals that you're trying to attain each year? Yeah. So um, I sit down at the beginning of each year Um Usually, actually, I sit down the, the year before and plan for the next year. But this year, I'll, I'll talk about how I did it this year. And I took out all of January to sit down and plan. I, I didn't start anything until I sat down and planned. And um, I was very adamant that I wanted to do that um, from not a space of like, I wish and I hope, but from like seeking God, like sitting with, with um, the Lord and being like, what is the focus for this year? What do you have for me this year? You know, um, and I spent like the whole of January focused on that and then put something together. And so I did mm. that for my personal life, my foundation, my business life, um, and mm -hmm. even my spiritual life. Where do I want to go with that? Um, mm -hmm. And I broke all of those things down to steps as well. And so that's mm -hmm. why Notion, for example, feeds me my next thing because every step has been like yeah. put together. And so I'm like, oh, okay, to achieve the next thing, this is the step. This is the step. Yeah. I project managed my whole life at the beginning of the year, basically. And it's now. now I, I love that because you're, so you took a whole month just to, to meditate, to pray, to plan. Yeah. Are you still working your current job during that time in January? Or are you just taking like almost like a sabbatical? 
no, I'm still working. Um, yeah. but and I'm only doing what I have to do. So like in any space, so um, to work, I, I would just continue to work and things like that. But I wasn't working on Vimoye or anything like everything else stopped. Anything that didn't have to happen, um, didn't happen. Mm. So including like seeing friends or any, like literally stopped. Everything any, stopped. Everything yeah. stopped for a month. That's a great um, idea. I may need to try to do that in the month of January. Incredible. I would say this is set, set out to be probably my most successful year. The things I've written down and everything in terms of looking back already and I'm like, my goodness. Like, <laughs> it really worked. It's incredible. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Now, where'd you, did you come up with that idea? Just, hey, I'm just going to do this in January or was that from past experiences or did you kind of just um, intuitively say, I'm just going to take the whole month off, get just do the bare minimum? So previous years, I would do it in November, funnily enough. In November, I'd start asking God, oh, okay, like, what do you have for me this year and things like that. But what I realized was I wasn't finishing the year. I was already thinking uh, about the next year. So I don't yeah. know what it is, but this year I said, oh, last year, end of last year, so I want to live to the end of the year. Like the 31st yes. December, I'm focused up until then about the goals that I've already made or anything that I'm working on to the 31st of December. Um, and it was risky because I've never done that before. I usually have already started planning the next year um, already. But this year I wanted to make sure everything 2022 had for me, I got like that was that was that. And so for the new year, 2023, it meant that I had to risk taking out all of January to do that. And it has been the best, the best yeah. planning decision that I've ever made um, because January as well is a is a down period for a lot of people. After Christmas, most people, I don't know what it's like in the in the US, but in the UK, we have things called like dry, dry January. So people aren't going, in the UK, drinking is a, a, a huge sport <laughs> sometimes, it seems mm -hmm. like. But um, it meant that for a whole month, most people aren't calling you out anyway because they're all at home doing dry January and saving their money or anything. So it's the perfect time to be like mm. I, I'm, I'm staying in because I'm like, oh yeah fair enough you're probably trying to save money or you're or you're mm -hmm. um, detoxing because you ate so much over Christmas things like that it's such a normal response to be like I'm not available in January and so mm. January was set up to be a perfect time to just down tools and focus mm. and so did you yeah I'm sorry did you yeah, notice things that went by the wayside that you had maybe in your mind when you took those 31 days off did or did you just see you know what for the most part everything kind of stayed the same so for me i i love this idea and i'm thinking about you got me thinking about doing it next year so i already have certain things planned for next year lord willing bible class schedules um you know preaching at different churches and things mm -hmm. like that um different dates for family and things like that but there's something that i really like about this even like with podcasting or coaching or you know just other goals just taking that whole month off and just doing the bare minimum did you notice a big change with what you wanted to do and then after those 31 days what eventually just came to the top um do you so like you, you mean like extra things that i hadn't thought about doing that came to yeah. me in january yeah either yeah so either extra things or things you had thought about but then you're like no nah, i really don't need to do that yeah 
absolutely there are things I absolutely didn't even like occur to me that this year would um would like I'd focus on this year that definitely came to me in that in that month because I think as well what usually happens for me is when I'm planning the year I'm already like 10 all of the things I already have in mind of what I'm going to do it isn't like me being open to the idea of what's possible i'm like okay i'm gonna do this I'm, i I literally think mm. from my mind if that makes sense of like what what do i want to do when i do them this year i mm. said to myself that i'm not i don't have any like tangible things i i would desire to do things in terms of the or desire to, but i want to really think through what that looks like and i want to do that with the lord i wanted to do that with him um and so i was open to the fact that he might take something off the list <laughs> or like something else could pop up that I had not in, uh, planned for. And that, that essentially happened. There were things on there that um, I I hadn't really thought, especially when it came to Vimoye, our focus this year has very much, was, wouldn't, wouldn't have been what I would have initially done mm-hmm. had it not been for that year, uh, uh, for that mm. month of just being like, I'm open to whatever. So yeah, yeah. Highly recommend. I can't right. wait to do it again you, next year. You got, <laughs> so you, 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 you've, you've sold me. I'm going to do it. Lord willing, I'm going to do that. I That'll love that idea. Let me know how I'd love to know. I am. <laughs> Thank you for that. No problem. Uh, Corday, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for the great work that you're doing. And thank you for uh, it's late there in the UK and London. Um, it's only 2.15 here PM in Dallas. Oh, wow. Near Dallas. Yeah. I still got I still got about ten hours left in the day. Final thoughts for the audience. Um, what would you like to share? Final thought for wrap yeah, up. Yeah, I think my final thing would be that I really want people to realize that when it comes to the progress of Africa, we want to move away from Africa rising. That's the narrative that I feel like we have been on for quite some time. To Africa actualizing, like actually becoming the mm. very thing that we know is possible. And I, I think that that doesn't mean that that means all hands on deck. I think that means that um, the diaspora needs to get involved. And that's why we're doing our skills match program, because we really want diasporans to realize that the skills that they have acquired in the diaspora um, would be of so much benefit on the continent. Um, I'm, I don't know if you've heard of something called the brain drain. Um, the brain drain mm-hmm. is this idea that um, the smartest and the brightest um, on the continent moved away when other opportunities came about. I spoke I to a Canadian that. recently yeah. that said that's the same mm-hmm. thing that happened there. Like it's a, it, the mm-hmm. Canadians had that a similar thing. Hence why there's yes. this opportunity now for people to come to Canada to work. Mm-hmm. Um, but because of that brain drain, it means that um, those who maybe would have started the business or would have started um, the solution to a particular problem are, are not necessarily there. And so we're saying diasporans with the skills that you have acquired um, in the West, let's use them to build the continent. And we're doing that through our skills match program. So check out our website and sign up. <laughs> Tell us what's your website and where can people find you on social media? Yeah. So our website is vimoyefoundation.org. Uh, um and you can find me personally on uh instagram using the handle this is corrida so corrida is k-o-r-e-d-e um and then the vimoye foundation as well so you can find us on on instagram under the foundation yeah well said corrida thank you so much uh love what you're doing love your spirit thank you so much keep going and Look forward to seeing what you're going to be doing here in the future. 
Thank you so much for having me. I had a wonderful time. <laughs> You're welcome. Likewise. Take care.